Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Shaver, joined by Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts, here on a Tuesday afternoon. All right. We talked last week. It was Tuesday. It was after the news had come out. Uh, Scott Frost staying. Four assistants going. And there's been two media availabilities in, involving Frost since then. And I am just sort of uh, just kind of curious, how do you feel like his tone has been and, and where, what, what sort of answers did he provide with where Nebraska is going to be looking and, and how quickly this whole thing could come together, Brian? Um, I suspect it's going to come together pretty fast because the whole point of, uh, you know, making the change during the bye week with two weeks left in the season was basically that you have a staff in place or you have names to throw up people right after the Iowa game or soon after the Iowa game, you know, because of early signing day with recruits and obviously guys in the portal and all that. He has made it very clear. Um, first and foremost is the old OC hire, which makes sense. Of course. Um, I guess I'm interested in the fact that it doesn't, he doesn't, I'm not saying there's not going to be a specific special teams coordinator, but he definitely has said comments, which make you think that he might not go that direction. And he might uh, just maintain what they have with Dawson uh, sort of leading that operation. Um, So that you have to consider that, you know, I do wonder if the QB's coaching role if the OC will take, I asked Frost specifically if he would take over the QBs, you know, cause I've seen that before where the head coach takes on the QBs as one of his responsibilities. And he seemed to say that wouldn't happen probably cause he's trying to kind of get away from some of that. So you could have an OC who took that QBs job on him too, and opened up another position. So that's, what's interesting to me is how those chairs get shuffled around a little bit. And also, I, it seems to me like the OC is going to have a, some say in this hire because uh, Frost said, if I were being hired as the offensive coordinator, I'd sure like to have you know an opinion on the assistant coaches. And if that's the case, that means you got to recognize your OC pretty quickly or have him pretty much you know, known in the next week or so, I would think, so that he can, uh, he can give that input. So I don't know. Maybe they're, they're at that spot. What do you think, Browns? Yeah, the the special teams piece of it is interesting to me. Like, it, it seems like if things line up, that you would be able to get a dedicated special teams coach. And what's interesting is, based on comments, it seems that Scott Frost's belief is that the issues that they've had on special teams, at least the coaching piece of it, the X's and O's, has been solved. But their issue is personnel and the selection of that personnel which I guess to me is I still see that as a coaching thing but I you know it's I'll be eager to see how they mess with that and and what they do there I think I I would expect that you're probably going to see a veteran known OC coming in I just with the the money give back that he did um, I, I think that was with the idea that you would you would have to pay a little bit more to attract a bigger name or somebody that's kind of done it themselves. Do you like here here's what I keep falling back on. Do you guys truly believe that Scott Frost is going to go hands off with the offense? I mean, he's still going to be in that meeting room. He's still going to be having input. I mean, it, it's not like 
at least in my mind, the, the mystery OC that's out there that's going to be at Nebraska is not going to be bringing in their offense or wholesale offensive changes. I mean, it's going to have to be a hybrid of whatever Frost has run previously and whatever that, that OC knows. Is that fair? I am, until proven otherwise, entirely 100% skeptical that Scott Frost would step away from the offense. I don't believe that he has it in him to walk away from that because I think that's what made him become the coach that he is. And it's hard to give up what you sort of are known to do to take on some other role. And I, I just don't know that I see that, uh, see that with him. So I, I'm in agreement with you, Brunce. I expect it to be some version of a spread offense. I expect him to have some sort of role with it. I mean, maybe he's not calling the plays necessarily, uh, but I, I think he's still going to be pretty heavily involved. Yeah. It, I mean, it seems very difficult to do, especially when your neck's on the line. You know, like if this yeah. – I mean, the, everything is at stake here. And I would sort of think the competitor in him would say, I, I want to go down shooting my arrows, you know, if I'm going to go down. Um, that said, if – I could see it where he is heavily involved during the week. I would expect he would be. I mean, he's still the head coach and uh, offense is his forte. But then on Saturday, if he's, if he's looking to take on more of the overseer of it all um, and sort of the uh, working the game, working your defense when they have a crap series, you know, stuff like that. Um, I, I, I could see that maybe happening. But even that is going to take some resistance from him to, to – you know, in the middle of a game, I think to, to totally let someone else have their hands all over it. So that, that it's a good question you guys bring up. Another kind of talking point or, or thing that came out of this, this last week or so really kind of came out of Friday, mutually agreed upon metrics. What should we make of the new hottest phrase in uh in nebraska as it relates to football coaching what, what did scott frost say on monday it doesn't take a gene a, a, a smart guy to figure it out like it's it's i mean it's wins right like i, I think it's wins i think it's I, I think there's other things that that might kind of play into that but to me it's 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 wins i i mean i, I don't know if they have a particular number but i mean that's it's, it's not – I don't think it's going to be found via FOIA request, but I think it's pretty well known what, uh, what needs to happen in 2022 between Scott Frost and Trev Alberts. Yeah, I guess I sort of don't understand why this is now – why would that even be written in there? Like what's the, what's the purpose of including that? Like if, if wins weren't part of the deal before then – what magically makes it it's just a it's weird right like i maybe i'm just completely misreading everything but it seems odd that it's just as simple as he needs to win which has been apparent for about four years now yeah i mean i think i really think it's got to be uh sort of eight wins or bust and um i i sort of look at it if you view this team this year as having had, even though their record is three and seven, but their metrics uh, statistically and all these other parts of you tell you 
they're actually a team that is more capable. They're more like a 500 team this year. I've, I wrote this last week and I'll just say it again. I think if you're going to say it's progress in 2022 with that schedule, which I'm not saying is a slam dunk schedule, but it's maybe a little easier. Uh, it's got to be like eight wins or something. If, if it's like a six and six team at the end of the year, um, to me, that's sort of treading water and just where you are now. Cause I kind of view this team as like that category of squad. Um, and I also look at it like, you know, you had four years to set the cement now it's year five. And at some point, Nebraska's expectations always have to be you're an eight or nine or plus win team. Otherwise it gets hot around here. And Nebraska needs to get back to that very soon. Otherwise, you're in dangerous territory as a program if you're not going to hold that standard. So we know that the offensive coordinator is kind of what's going to set the tone there. What, what did you sort of, uh, in terms of trying to figure out where things have went wrong with Nebraska at running back, what, what do you think Nebraska needs to look for in a running backs coach? I guess is kind of the question that I have at this point, because with Ryan held, it felt like you had a lot of things working in your favor. He's a former Husker. He's from the Midwest. He's known as someone who really got after it on the recruiting trail. He had junior college ties and yet it felt like that position really struggled, but everything on the offense struggled. So I don't want to pinpoint it at just Ryan held, but of the, of the spots that are available after the offensive coordinator thing, I find myself next most curious at running back you guys have any early thoughts on what nebraska could do there or what they might be looking for i guess i was kind of looking back in the the totality of the last four years at running back i don't know that there was really ever aside from divina zigbo there really wasn't somebody that you would point to and say that guy is significantly better than when he came to Nebraska. And I think that Ryan held was a, is, is a very energetic recruiter. I think that Nebraska mattered a lot to him. I think that, you know, the Juco ties that he has were really helpful in getting guys into the program. I just, I never really saw the kind of development from guys that, you know, year to year would, would lead you to say like, okay, this is the, this is the guy that we can count on. And I think that was the problem that they ran into too, was, you know, the, this search for a bell cow just always seemed to be kind of chasing your tail a little bit because you, you'd kind of start a guy and get him going and then you'd go to somebody else. I mean, I, I don't know if Gabe Irvin's injury really kind of threw a wrench in things this year or what, but it's never seemed like, there was any kind of rhyme or reason to why guys were playing or why guys weren't. I mean, Marquis Stepp said on Monday pretty flat out, I know why I wasn't playing. I'm not going to tell you why it was, but, you know, there was – he was healthy all season. Um, You know, I I think he was a little bit frustrated that he played early in the year and then completely disappeared and then gets back in for, you know, a really key series against Ohio State. I mean, that that kind of – usage of running backs I, I think it was exa- an example of you know just kind of leaving me scratching my head a little bit about why guys were out there why guys weren't I mean that that, that to me is, is the thing that I keep coming back to is the way that rotations went never made any sense to me I've always sort of viewed running backs over the last few years to be emblematic of Nebraska's offense where it's sort of 
never truly felt like it knew exactly what it wanted. And at running back, you look at all the different people that they recruited, all the different names from Greg Bell to uh, most recently um, the the kid from, from Nevada, Ashton Hayes. I mean, if, if you look at these guys, they're all so radically different in a lot of ways. It just felt like they didn't know exactly what they wanted. And then when they got people here, they didn't know how they were going to use them. And then they had all these other issues that needed to be filled in at, at various times. And um, it just, I hope wherever they go next, there's a cohesive strategy. And you guys might laugh at this. And this isn't a name for like who the next running backs coach should be. But I honestly just feel like Nebraska needs to find the next version of Randy Jordan for itself. I mean, he came along in the, the Bill Callahan staff. He's a younger guy. Uh, I think that he can help in terms of recruiting, played the position. He's now in his seventh season coaching uh, the Washington football team's running backs. I mean, he's made a career out of it. I think you, you got to find a guy like that and, and hopefully you can bring him in and, and help kind of kickstart things. They just The position has really been stale for a while now and it was before held and uh it really it went from a strength or what you would think about with nebraska football to being a really big afterthought in my opinion right well i mean it connects to the o-line too and the play calling i mean there's in some ways to in fairness to the actual backs over there sometimes i don't know like it's hard to you know I guess analyze them because it's like you don't get to see them consistently with the O line that's sort of giving them space and all that. Like there's times when Ramir has come on. I've I think it Ramir for himself is a nice individual story. He's played hard and all that. Um, but it it is a deal where Bruns is talking about is like the musical chairs game. I think gets difficult on guys. Like I remember Savion Morrison. We didn't see him the entire Michigan State game. And then he popped up with like six minutes, ten minutes left on that one drive. Like he's suddenly in the game and he makes three or four good runs. And he comes out of that game feeling kind of optimistic and he's kind of feeling good about his place. And then he sort of disappears after that. And there's probably – there's I'm sure reasons for it, but that that's the sort of thing where guys are unsettled and then – Guys move on, as we saw with, with Morrison this week. That was, I, I think your point is, a good, is an important one, and it kind of, I think, verbalized kind of what I've been thinking, that it seems like it seemed like at times where, like, Nebraska's offense has kind of been put together in – it's like you're assembling a cake, but, like, every piece of the cake is in, like, a different room, and then, like, when it's time for the wedding, you're just going to bring it all out and, like, put it together right there. And that, that I think is, is in thinking about how the running games worked or hasn't worked the way that, you know, you, you seem to have guys, especially at the running back spot or even wide receiver too, where they were put into positions and asked to do things that maybe didn't fit their physical, their physical attributes. And, you know, when you've got Ramir Johnson in short yardage situations, when you got Jack Yant sitting on the sideline, those kinds of things, it, it uh, you have to figure whoever the new OC is is going to have to, I think, kind of bring order to all that. I mean, I, I think that's fair to say that at times it just kind of was like, like what 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 are you trying to accomplish here? Well, you have to emphasize it. You have to be intentional, and I don't think that this staff has ever been intentional about running backs. 
they viewed it as a byproduct of the offense's success and not something that can help create success for the offense. And that just goes along with the running game as a whole. I mean, I, the, the, the philosophy of how this offense is supposed to attack people is something I still have never figured out quite, you know, what it is they try to achieve beyond just stringing a few plays together that ultimately end up with the ball in the end zone. So uh, I, I think it, you know, Brian said that it, it's, it's linked to the, the offensive line and, and he's absolutely correct. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just linked to the offense as a whole. I just don't think they were very intentional about their running game and in specifically their running backs. And then that kind of plays out to where you never really understand who's in where and why. I mean, even if, if Divino Zigbo that we all agree, Divino Zigbo is the best running back that they've had in four years. Why the hell was Greg Bar? Why was Greg Bell starting over him for the first few weeks of that season? It felt like those Zigbo fell into their laps more than they went out. And this was something they wanted to emphasize. And then they tried to recreate that by just having a guy who could just hit a few big plays for him. They didn't feed Mills until his last game of his career. Uh, you know, it just, Everything about running back play for four years has been a fascinating question to me. And whoever inherits that job is going to get talent. Like, that's the thing. I mean, I don't know. If, um, I, I think a couple podcasts ago, BC said something along these lines. I mean, you're, you're probably talking about a room in which you walk in and you're going to have Irvin, you're going to have Johnson, you're going to have Yant, and, you know, maybe step six around. I have no idea if, if Marvin Scott's ever getting off a milk carton and then you'll have Ashton Hayes as well. And then you're going to go out and recruit other people. So it, it's not like there won't be options. It's just, will it work in an offense that emphasizes and is intentional about using it? Or are they just a byproduct of whatever it is they're trying to do? Yeah. Um, and you never find out because of the offense, if a guy is really a great running back or just a dime a dozen running back. And there are uh, running back is very much a dime a dozen position. You could go in college programs and find, you know, every program's got three or four guys who are capable of carrying it for three yards or something, you know, but do you have a, a game breaker? It's just hard to know. Cause there's no rhythm to it. Like you've been saying, I, that kind of led me to a, a thought, though. You guys hate as much as I do when we talk about coaching hires at Nebraska. Like, it's got to be this guy who played at Nebraska, you know, or did this. We, we all are not fans of that. But I will take it a different route. With the OC, do you find any important factor if that guy has been through the Big Ten gauntlet before, knowing sort of how this league um, – even if it's not the most sexy name where everybody's jumping up and down, but it's a guy who he's won some dog fights in this league. Does that, does that intrigue you that concept? I, yeah. I mean, if, if, I mean, I, I voiced my displeasure with hearing about how former Huskers need to fill every position that's open, but I do think that there's something to getting someone that knows the big 10 uh, perhaps has coached in the big 10 and has an understanding of that. I, I think that that remains the largest issue to date with Scott Frost coming from the AAC to, to Nebraska is just having to adjust to that conference and not quite being able to do so uh, in a way that is sustainable. And so I would, I would love an offensive coordinator that has a 
has a good feel for what it is that he's walking into. I don't know who that is. That's the problem. I'd struggle, you know, I don't think Tom Herman's a real name, but his name is thrown out there a bunch. Obviously he knows this conference. Well, um, I, I struggle to know who the name would be, but I, I'm certainly, certainly interested in someone who understands the conference. Yeah, it's, I, I think it, I, I'm going to sound like somebody that I hated when Nebraska came to the Big Ten, but I think it, some familiarity with the Big Ten or at least being able to play that style of football is important. I mean, when we are talking about the defenses that Nebraska is going to face these last two weeks, I mean, Nebraska's rushing offense is really good this year, and they're, what, like seventh or eighth in the conference in rush defense right now? Like, it's just a – a different style of play. And I think some kind of familiarity is going to be important. And I think that person is also going to have to be able to basically look at what Nebraska has got personnel wise and meld what they want to do to that. I mean, everything is all in on 2022. You don't have the opportunity to, you know, kind of guess and check a little bit on what Nebraska actually has and what you can do. So you need to have somebody that's plugged in and is ready to go right away and can win you some football games. Um, you know, th- I'm sure that that person is out there, but I don't know that there's necessarily a name that comes immediately to mind. And Although BC's, every- BC's now looking like he just had an idea of who it might be. No, I'm not going to say a name. Um, I know there's been na- the name thrown out. I can't, eat, uh, the guy who was at Penn state and Minnesota is like, it's in the, I, I think of somebody in that Mel Chiaraca or whatever his name is. He's down at West Virginia is like an analyst now. Um, I mean, somebody like that, who's kind of been through the grind. I could, I could see the appeal of it. Um, but I don't, I'm not going to go far with that. All right. Well, uh, you know, it, what about, uh, what about Tim Beck? Why not bring him back, right? He knows the conference as well as anybody. <laughs> I'm just I don't think that's going to happen. I don't. Well, look, did I have on my face, by the way? I was just picking up something off the floor, that a dog uh, kernel that fell. You kind of leaned forward in your chair <laughs> like something was happening. Like, like, no. a, like a name had just struck you. <laughs> yes. No, and you, I... you just knew who it was going to be. No, I don't. I don't have the name yet. Um, it's going to come to me by the next podcast, though. Who that is? Is it Willie like, Horn just because of his name alone? No, but I know that whoever the name is, when he is, when it is announced, everyone is going to react, probably including us. Like, oh, they got him! They got the guy. <laughs> this guy's going to change the fortunes of everything. I don't uh, think, just. I don't think anyone reacted that way to Matt Lubick, but. Uh, Maybe. Uh, I wrote a pretty optimistic thing. I, I know that I wrote some things about Bob Diaco that I wish could be uh, oh, yeah. cleaned, out, cleaned off of Google. <laughs> no, I don't want to <laughs> pretend like I wasn't, uh, wasn't right there as part of the parade of people marching down O Street after Bob Diaco was announced as defensive coordinator. So <laughs> I've been, I've been in, involved myself, uh, but... I guess I'm sort of not convinced it's going to be this big name, but that's just me. I don't think so. either. I do think it's a job. I know there's this uh, thought out there that, well, who wants to come 
to this job with a head coach that's on the hot seat sort of theory. I don't know. I think OCs, guys who are in that line of work, are kind of used to one or two year odysseys. You know what I mean? Like a lot of those guys um, would definitely sign up for the right amount of cash uh, to see to show. And and a lot of those guys have big egos too, which is part of the, what makes them good at their job sometimes. Um, and they're going to think I can, I can work with that. I can turn this thing with my ideas. So I, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Yeah. You, you guarantee two years on a contract. I don't think yeah. it's, it's too, too tough. All right. That is uh, that's our show for this week here at Husker 24 seven. Be sure to check out the coverage we got going on at Husker 247.com plenty of things happening there. It's a big basketball week. So there'll be, uh, there'll be coverage. We didn't, we didn't have time to dive into basketball. I want to do that. Um, next week is going to be uh, a hard week to do that is what we might brunch. We might have to carve out a special basketball podcast at some point. Uh, Cause next week's going to be difficult with Thanksgiving and black Friday and the schedule condensed. But I do think we need to discuss everything that's happening there. And then of course we're right, right near the, the heart of recruiting season. Coaches are going to be going on the road, whichever ones Nebraska has available and whoever they hire transfer portal talk, all sorts of things. So people need to be checking in with Husker 24 seven. We got all the coverage. We've got everything you need right there in one convenient website. All right. For Michael Brunts, for Brian Christopherson, I am Mike Shaver and we will be back next week. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.